Welcome to the Akiyama Brothers Song to Screen podcast, hosted by Mark and Landon Akiyama. In episode 22, the brothers bring you the mighty orchestra. They discuss how a film orchestra is assembled, recorded, and their experiences in front of an orchestra. As an added treat, Mark and Landon also talk about a recent silent film organ concert at Nathan Barr's studio. Find out more at akiyamamusic.com. Hello. Oh, hi, Mark. Hi, how's it going? I forgot you were there. What? No, you didn't. <laughs> okay. Hi, everybody. Yeah, so we have a lot to talk about this episode, so I think we should probably just get into it. Um, let's do some follow-up first, yeah? Yes. So first of all, we want to thank everyone who has subscribed to the podcast. Uh, through thank you, thank you, thank you. Either Overcast or Apple Podcast, and we invite you to subscribe to our YouTube page where we post, you know, videos and sweet treats. It's brand new. Uh, we like just made it recently and we're going to start posting more films on it and more more behind the scenes clips and everything so definitely subscribe to that akiyama music on youtube and also the moment ambassador program if you do any filming with your phone or anything moment makes lenses that attach directly onto your smartphone any kind of smartphone and um, if you use our our link you get a little discount and then some of it goes back to help the podcast also so we really really appreciate it they're awesome products we use them for all of our extra films and everything also if you want to get regular updates on what mark and i are doing what we're doing with the podcast and with the future of the podcast please follow us on instagram i'm landon underscore akiyama and mark is mark underscore akiyama and that's where we usually post all our fun stuff yeah, we mostly keep that really up to date daily. So, um, yeah, follow that instead. I mean, as well, follow that in addition to everything else. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Anywhere you can find us, just go ahead and follow us. Yeah, just follow us on everything. And then, you know, reach out, say hi. We'll we'll talk to you for a little bit and say uh, see what you're up to. And we really appreciate it. Yeah, we're always happy to reach out and say hi to you guys. So, Mark, what'd you do this weekend? Okay, so the reason the uh, this episode is a little bit delayed is because we really wanted to talk about this event that I just went to. Um, so we we held off till I went to the event so I could actually talk about it. So Nathan Barr, if you remember, we talked about him in episode 20 with the house with a clock in its walls. He's the composer for that. And remember the, the really cool theater organ that we were talking about that he, he restored and built a whole studio around for that? Which took five years. Yes, five years. Um, so he what he's doing now is he started this thing, a silent film organ concert series. Um, so he hosts, you know, he has, uh, you can buy tickets for these events. Um, so what it is is he does, a, they play a silent film and before it, They'll take you through the organ and show you all the different rooms and the diff- different sounds and everything. And then they have a theater organist who's done, uh, who's, you know, worked with silent films before and um, was a, well, for this one, actually, uh, Clark Wilson is his name. And he's a, a prominent uh, composer for silent photo plays in America. He plays um, at theaters all over, uh, like the LA Phil Society and Disney concert halls. He does these silent film concerts where he'll play the theater organs to the silent film as they would have been played um back in the day so yeah he's a silent film organist and it's it's really awesome they take you through the the different chambers of the organ and the different different ranks of the pipes and everything the percussion room um so it was really awesome and then they played a harold lloyd silent film he was a comedian who kind of around the same time as Charlie Chaplin, but he, his thing was he wanted 
the the main character to be uh, an everyday man. So he acted and directed these silent films, and he made a ton. And um, Nathan Barr actually had his granddaughter, Harold Lloyd's granddaughter, there to talk about her her grandfather's films and everything, and that was actually really cool. So yeah, it was a it was a great crowd and everything. A lot of people showed up, except Landon. He couldn't make it unfortunately. Oh. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. But you got some great video that um that I got to see and, and uh they did do a behind the scenes um look at the orchestra or well, I look at the organ that sounds like an orchestra. Yeah. And it's like four rooms, uh where all the pipes and the and the instruments or the, the mechanical instruments are are housed and then there's also a basement level and then the main level where the instrument where all the keys are. And it yeah. works. Everything's controlled. So the link to that video, that YouTube video, is in the show notes, um, in the very beginning of the show notes, if you want to watch that. Nathan Barr goes through the the different rooms and, and shows off some of the different pipes in the organ and everything. To get to those show notes, Mark, you can, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, just swipe up from the play menu and you'll see the episode notes and also the chapters. And then, if you're listening in Overcast, you can swipe from right to left and you'll see those episode notes and then you swipe right to left again and then you get to see those chapters or if you're listening to us on anything else usually it's just swipe up from the play menu yeah so you're definitely going to want to watch that that video because it it goes in detail and it's really cool to see so even when nathan was going between the different rooms or whatever um clark wilson the organist would play he would score because they, they showed Nathan going through the different rooms on a video camera, like a live video feed, because the rooms are really, really tight. So Clark Wilson was, you know, uh, playing the organ music and scoring the picture as Nathan was doing the live stream thing. It was pretty funny. It was really great. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or the ice cream truck tune, I think he played a couple times. So the studio is called Bandrica Studios. Uh, that's part of Nathan Barr's silent film organ concert series. Uh, just so if you want to check that out on on the interwebs, just type in Bandrika Studios or even Nathan Barr. Um, yeah. And you he, should find a link to that. Yeah. He said he's going to keep doing these silent film concerts. So so I have a chance to go see them. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's a really good chance to show off what the theater organ can do. So yeah, if, if you didn't listen to our previous episode about the house with the clock in its walls, this specific organ was the theater organ in the Fox Studios. So, was yeah. So what happened was after it, it lived there, and then somebody bought it from them and boxed it up, and it was just been been sitting and like perfectly preserved, pretty much. And For then about twenty five ba- years. Yeah, and then Nathan Barr bought it off this guy, um, and then they built this this studio in L.A. to specifically house the organ. And work as a recording studio and his his uh, production studio. So it's really which took five years. It's a really awesome building. Um, yeah, yeah. I actually um, I bumped into somebody. Uh, he has because Nathan has a bunch of uh, old classic organs and uh, really really cool instruments around, and all the signs say "Do not touch" and everything. So I was I was looking at one of them, which is the then, hardest thing for Mark not to do. I know, right? And then so I was looking at him, and then there was this this other guy that came up and started touching the organ and then he looked at me he was like oh no it's okay it's okay i work here i was like oh so you, you work at the studio he goes well kind of i work on the organs and stuff and then 
um, he introduced himself. He said he was Mark Herman and he said, um, or he asked me how we, I found out about this. So I said, cause we did a, a podcast episode on it. So I knew about the organ and everything. And I, you know, yeah, we did follow Nathan and everything. So I saw that he's hosting an event and everything. So he said, this guy that I randomly bumped into, he said, yeah, oh, yeah, cool. I was the uh, the organist for that score, House with the Clock Knits Walls. Oh, my gosh. Like, oh, you're Mark. Mark Herman. I get it now. I didn't I didn't put the two together. But, yeah, that was him. So, I talked to him for a long time about, um, I had so many questions about how the organ works and everything. And, and so, he, he talked about it. Um, like a kid in a candy shop. Because I, I was in, asking <laughs> kinds of questions. I was like, well, if I wanted to sit down and play this thing, what kind of questions would I have and how do I play it? So anyway, yeah. Excuse so, me, mister. What's this button do? Yeah, but he was talking about like how they built the studio. It was um, it was like a warehouse before, like a really crappy warehouse. And it was like dirt dirt pavement and everything. There wasn't, wasn't any concrete slab. So he was talking about how they built it and all the treatments they did. So um, it was actually really cool because he said the whole the whole structure is like two concrete slabs. It's a concrete slab and then uh, springs and then another concrete slab resting on top of the springs. As the foundation. Yeah, to completely isolate it from the outside world. And then the same with the walls. They're, they're two, two wall, double walls with a, a, an air gap in between. And then same thing with the roof and the ceiling. There's air between the roof and the ceiling. So a building within a building. Yeah, pretty much. So it's perfectly isolated. On top of box springs. Yeah. Uh-huh. And yep. then so you can't hear an airplane go by. You can't hear a dump truck or anything because this is really close to the street level also. Or really cl- there's a street that runs right by it. So it'd be noisy. But uh, yeah, it's a specifically do- designed to house the organ. And then even the, the pump that pumps air is to the organ uh all the pipes and everything it's it's a huge pump and everything and it's located outside the building in its own little its own little mini house or whatever and then the it's the air is piped into the organ from there so you can't even hear the um the sound of the in the motor the motor pumping the air through which is really awesome it was it was a really incredible looking looking studio oh yeah floors special floors special wall treatments and everything uh, really cool lantern lights is awesome. Um, yeah, I definitely recommend checking out the concert series. If they keep doing it. I think they're going to keep doing it. So it'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing that made the, makes this instrument, um, different from like theater organs or, uh, church organs, I mean, um, is there's a, a whole room full of just percussion instruments. So there's like a marimba. Cathedral chimes, tuned sleigh bells, uh, chalice, glockenspiel, xylophone, even like an ocean drum sound, and it's got like a siren. Fire gong, um, police whistle, uh, horse hoof. Sound effects and stuff. Because for silent films, these these organs had to be able to play music and the sound effects for the to go with the film. So um, yeah, when Clark was playing the the organ to the 
to the movie. We we saw they were playing Harold Harold Lloyd's um, Girl Shy film, a silent film. So that was really cool. Um, so he was playing all the all the special effects, sounds, the horse hoofs um, as they went along. Police siren was in there. It was really good, really awesome. It's like an hour and a half silent film, and he was playing the organ nonstop, like all the way through. And so I had to make sure to stop myself from watching the movie just to turn and watch him for you know a good good chunk of minutes and stuff to make sure I I saw everything he was doing and everything. It was really cool. Yeah, I could keep talking about it forever. You want me to keep going or what? No, it just sounds like you're rubbing it in my face. I know that you couldn't go. Sorry. Oh my gosh! And then there's also these slats on the the so the chambers are up up on the what would be the second second level but i mean it's all open so it's as he continues to talk about it yeah sorry so so <laughs> the organ on the organ console there's also these pedals that control flaps that either close or open the rooms so you can control dynamics and everything also it was really awesome so i was watching him like do that a lot because he was opening and closing the flaps a ton it was crazy it was really cool so many cool instruments so many like huge 16 foot pipes and everything and then really really tiny five yeah, inch really, pipes yeah a little tiny little penny whistle sounds um yeah so it can make it can make really, like pretty much the whole orchestra sound they got oboes a saxophone sound um english horn a string section that's done with air through pipes and it's sounds like strings it was convincing it was great it was awesome it was all live <laughs> Oh yeah, okay. And then when I was talking to I was talking to Mark Herman, the uh, the guy who played on the house with the clock in its walls, the organ. He said the last or er, the director loved the organ sound so much that they had to keep adding more organ into the different tracks. And then he said the last track, the Mighty Wurlitzer track. He said Mark said that he got to like they they made a list of themes. The director and then Nathan Barr they made a list of themes that they wanted to be in that last track in the credits, and then. Um, Mark Herman got to basically arrange it how he would as a as a silent film organist how he would arrange it to fully orchestrate it for the organ and everything so that last track is all organ that's just him going to town playing playing an organ solo all the themes from the movie um, it was really cool yeah and then there's a bunch of digital updates they did to the to the organ like some of the mechanical buttons aren't mechanic like they're um they switched the, some of the buttons to electromagnetic buttons and everything, so they respond quicker and they're quieter. So they did a lot to try and reduce the noise that the console would make. Because the console, the organ console is in the studio, so um, you would hear all that noise and everything. But they did as much as they could to reduce it, and it was really, really good. But the organ was in great condition, holy cow. Everything looked looked really pristine, so it was well well preserved when it was boxed up. Yeah. Well, and, and they restored it really well. Yeah, but they they said they didn't didn't really have to do too much for restoring rest, restoring. <laughs> they didn't have to do too much to restore the the console and everything. Oh. It was packaged up pretty well, yeah. It's neat. Well, eventually I'll get to see it. Yeah. In one of these days. Uh-huh. Anyway, so so this relates to what we want to talk about today, how to really orchestrate something for film. Now, Mark has a little bit of experience with this, um, and <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> so, what we're gonna not do? So much, yeah, what we're gonna do is um, when I was talking to Mark, it gave me the idea of like how to how an orchestra is usually broken down to record. Because so an orchestra live playing orchestra is totally different than recording 
or than a film orchestra and it works completely different the way you um the way the musicians are hired and everything and and then the way you record them is different so we're going to talk about a little bit about that today and then kind of my experience with it because with uh one of our we haven't talked about this ever have we on the podcast nope that's why we're doing it now okay yeah so uh we're going to talk about one of the the songs from our musical that i orchestrated and conducted to a live orchestra in new york so we're going to kind of talk about a couple different things but all relating to how an orchestra is kind of set up and and how it's recorded for film specifically and then kind of like what conducting an orchestra is it's a lot of stuff to cover but we're going to try to do it yeah yes yes we are so somebody asked us how orchestras are recorded for film and they thought that you would bring in a full orchestra into the studio and record them like an exi- an existing orchestra but Okay, so that's not actually how it works. So that, that's kind of why we're going to break it down a little bit today. So when for an orchestra, for film, when you're hiring an orchestra to record specifically for film on a film session, um, it's not, you don't hire an existing orchestra to record the film, pretty much. So like uh, if they're in LA, they're not going to hire the LA Philharmonic to re- come in and record. So what happens is... Um, there's a group of specific session musicians that um, are, you know, well-known in L.A. or London or all the major recording um, recording cities where they do film, film orchestras. Um, so how it works is they kind of build their own orchestra based on what the film needs um, and then also kind of like if you keep working in the business um you get to know the different players and then how they play and then also the kind of sound that their instruments make so if you know you want a specific instrument sound in mind that somebody has you're going to hire that guy or that girl and then you're going to bring them in to record for this thing and then you're going to kind of put your or- film orchestra together based on what you need for the film yeah and then if there's some something that you need that you don't know who plays that particular thing you, you gotta ask, find it yeah you gotta find that or ask somebody that you already have in your in your configured orchestra yeah. if they know anybody yeah so all that's done through um musician contractors um in town so they'll they'll contract the in the instrumentalists for recording sessions for film recording sessions yeah um, so like, for example, for Nathan Barr, when I was talking to, to Mark Herman about how they recorded the organ and the rest of the orchestra in the studio, because they said they, they recorded the whole thing at that location that I was in. It was like, oh, anyway, side note. Um, um, so what they did, and this is pretty typical of any orchestra, or any film, um, you break the recording down by section. So they'll do you could either however you want to do it but there's like big chunks so you could either do record all the string section separately and then you'll go in and record the brass only and then the percussionists only and then for this one they did the the organ only um and then actually mark also said they they had a session just for the harp player so the harp player came in and recorded recorded their part separately alone he said they liked the sound of the room acoustics like alone by itself with the harp so they just layered in the harp later. Oh, that, that makes sense. And then, so once you have all the different sections recorded, then you mix it together and put the orchestra together. 
to get the full to final get, product. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then a lot of times also you'll um, have the live recorded orchestra, but then you'll still layer in um, the sounds of your sample library orchestra. And then you create like a hybrid kind of score. And that's, that's to either, uh, it could be to either make it the orchestra sound bigger or more full to fatten up some sections um, to kind of add more, more color to it. If you like the way your sample library sound on top of the, uh, the live recorded instrument, it's a variety of different reasons why you do that, but that's, that's just how it is. That's a common practice. Now, um, that's kind of the, how the Hollywood sound has, uh, evolved what it's evolved into. And that's very common. You rarely have like a live recorded orchestra and then that's it. You usually always add add everything on top. But anyway, we're talking about um, the orchestra today. Let's see. Yeah, so orchestras, you break it down, but you can even, by sections usually, as the most basic form of breaking it down. But then you can even break it down even further into high strings, low strings, mid strings. Um, you can even break apart the brass by horn players only and then having the trumpets and trombones come in later to do a session separately from them. And then, okay, so then... That's the basic breakdown, um, but every composer does it differently. So, uh, should we talk about Hans Zimmer? Why not? No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's like the rock star of film composers, so most people know who he is. I know. I think we kind of he comes into a lot of our episodes. So anyway, okay. Um, <laughs> That's mostly because he's so like present yeah, on like on social media. media. Yeah, he talks about it, everything that he does. He's like so, the Glenn Keane in animation. Yeah, there's more information about. Him yeah, it's, internet, yeah. So. Uh-huh. so what he does, um, he breaks it down into really, really small detailed things. So what he does is, um, so he'll have the strings into their own section. Yeah. But then, so he'll, he'll break that up by sound. Yeah. So strings, horns, percussion and all that stuff. Yeah. He'll do that. But then, so we're working at the string section right now, right? Right. Okay. So. He'll go in and any short notes like chaka 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 chunk, any repetitive short notes like that will be their own session. So they'll just do a session on all strings going like What? Yeah. Why? And then and then a totally separate recording session for strings doing the long legato stuff, the pretty melody lines and held out notes and everything. And he does that to get um, really, really clean recordings and to have as much control after in the mixing process so that they don't get basically, yeah, so basically they can add sections they want and even repeat stuff that they want or add layers of different things or um, it's it's... The idea is to have as much control later as you possibly can. Oh, so wait, it sounds like he's just building his own sample library for each. Yeah, film. kind of. Uh huh. Almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but they'll play the stuff from the score. Right. Specifically, yeah. Okay. So um, any staccato notes or anything like jump, 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 or stabs like shun, shun, that kind of stuff. Um, that usually he breaks it down by that even. And then we move on to the brass section and then do the same thing for the brass. Any like uh, special effects that the horns do, like the rips, horn rips, that kind of stuff. That was, that was a great impression. Just right? like that. 
Yeah, that'll be that'll be its own session and everything, and then they'll come back again the next day maybe, or um, and then do all the long held notes. Um, oh yeah, God. that it's sounds crazy. like an organizational logistical nightmare. Yeah, which at that point, I'm not sure really what I think about that because it's cool to have as much control as you can mixing because there's been tons of times where. I've had like the recent thing I was working on, Brainy's Lament, the live orchestra recording that I have. I did a, a performance with an orchestra in New York, like I was saying, um, which we'll talk about more in another episode, hopefully. But um, there was just so much stuff when I was mixing it um, that I didn't have control over. Like there were some things that I wanted the cello solo to be its own thing so I could I could mix it separately and make that sound really awesome and then have, you know, the percussion section by itself. Um so I could tweak things in there or even have, there is even something like I could understand. Yeah. Like the clarinets that I was working with, they had uh, a couple short note things like short note passages, which were just getting lost in all the long held string lines. So, all right. It, it's definitely an advantage to um, separating out your recordings like that. But I don't know if that, well, I think you kind of lose something. I'm not sure. Well, you also have to account for his style. Hans yeah. Zimmer has a very distinctive style yeah. where uh, you might be able to say, describe it better than I can, but what he uses a lot of um, similar motifs from his other scores and stuff and, and rhythmic patterns. Yeah. His, um, so like, yeah. like for his very rhythmic undertones in all of his scores. Yeah. And, I guess the best way to get that really clear in the recording is to separate that stuff from the long held notes when you're recording. Right. Yeah. And usually that stuff makes up the base, the basic layer for, for the music and then he builds stuff on top of it. So I yeah. guess there is an advantage of doing it, recording it like that. Yeah. But maybe it's just cause we're players, we're performers and musicians coming from that standpoint that would be really annoying to me to have to record that kind of stuff one day, short stuff, like say I'm just playing snare drum, tap, 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 whatever for a recording, and then I have to come in another day to do the the rolls <laughs> and simple rolls and everything. I don't know. But also, I don't know. Don't you think you kind of lose something when all the musicians are not playing together, sort of? Like yeah. they're not even playing the actual music together. They're playing parts of the music separately so they have no idea what else is going on so well yeah but i think for like it depends an orchestra is like one big entity so yeah it's hard to get you know individual emotion or or artistic characteristics yeah from the players because they're supposed to be playing as one big wave yeah right but i think you get more of that from your soloists yeah, like that's those true. Are the, your soloists are the people that are going to really bring out the emotion and the feeling for the piece or for the yeah. moment. But if I'm scene. if I'm a musician and I'm recording the short stuff only, it would help me to know what's supposed to go on top of that because maybe I'll play it differently, or maybe as a section we'd play it differently if we hear something that we're doing over here, like short notes, um, short staccato stuff, or um, you know arpeggios or whatever. If we hear that, what we're doing, and then like the violins have a, a leading line on top of that, maybe uh, I think it would affect how you play. And I don't know if you kind of lose some cohesiveness when you do it like that. And 
if you limit what the musicians can bring to the score, if you limit what they know of what else is going on. That's kind of my my thinking. But anyway, what were you saying yeah, about the no, soloist? I'm, well, I, I was just thinking you, you it does limit what you can bring as a performer. Um, but maybe what you gain yeah. in control is, you know, worth it. I don't know. It's a toss-up. Either know. way you record something, you're going to lose a little bit. Like, if you record the whole orchestra together or each section as one, you're losing their control. So it's a give and take. And if you record each section just by note length, you're gaining control, but you're losing the performance. So, yeah, you know. But I get maybe it's... It depends on, I guess, what the purpose is. And I yeah. I, I couldn't tell. I can't tell that Hans Zimmer was recording stuff note by note or, or length by length for his scores so maybe yeah maybe, maybe it's also he, maybe it, he executed it well enough it's also might be a balance of how much hybrid score you're you know you're going to add later like he, you're going to add if you're going to add sample libraries and everything to help glue everything together maybe it just doesn't even maybe it's not even a problem then yeah but i yeah yeah i see where you're going and it's probably more like people won't their ears won't latch on to that basic first layer yeah. of music. It's the layers on top of it, like the soloists, that people latch on more in the melody. Yeah. So, speaking of soloists... Wait, 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 one second. No? Because no, I just thought of something. Yeah, but for me, because I'm a musician, like I want to hear what everybody else is playing, or at least you know what, my, what the rest of my section is playing or what the rest of what else is kind of going on to have an idea. But... Which is why I think I really liked the event last night at Nathan Barr's studio, the organist, because that guy, he's one player playing the whole, the whole score. So he knows exactly what he's doing and he's, he has the control of everything, but he's also able to act as a whole orchestra and play different lines and everything and add different sections together and change the way it's sounding. So maybe that's, maybe that's my, uh. That's my calling in life. Maybe I should be an organist, really. <laughs> well, maybe you're comparing apples and oranges because if he's one person playing all these different instruments, yeah. if you flip it, have one and have all these instrument, different instruments being played by one person, like Hans Zimmer, there's not, there's only one of him. He can't have like a 50-piece orchestra all being played by 50 Hans Zimmers. No, but he can have a 50-piece composer so maybe this is behind him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm saying so maybe this is the only way that he can get it to the control that he needs. Maybe, yeah. Because he can't be playing all those instruments to the level that they need to be performed yeah. at. I don't know. For me right now, I think I really appreciate recording um, as close to live as possible, maybe. I don't know. I, I think I appreciate having the musicians hear what else is going around them. Yeah, the for only me, way right to now know. how I work, how I like to work, how how I how I yeah for me right now, but that could change. Who knows? It's probably gonna change. It don't, might. Don't quote me. It might. I don't know. It might don't change. It. You know, we might even get Hans Zimmer on this podcast, oh, no, no, and no, he no. might let's, change your mind. Let's not jinx it or anything. <laughs> That'd be cool. That'd be really cool. Um. Anyway, yeah, I keep cutting you off. What were you gonna say about the soloists? Yes. Well, I was gonna say, like how they get hired or how well, they get gonna, attached to a film. You mean? Well, yeah, I was going to say most of the time people, their ear is going to catch the melody or the solo, whatever's being played. Yeah. Um, and so it's really important to get a good soloist. Usually film composers, they know 
they already have in mind who they want to be playing a solo, so they'll be writing the the solo particularly for that person. Oh, you, yeah, yeah. They'll be writing the cue with that person in mind, knowing yes. how their instrument's going to sound, how their inter- and how their interpretation's going to be, how they're going to play it, um, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So one person that comes to mind is Tina Guo. Yep. Who she ended up playing a lot of solos for Hans Zimmer's scores, and uh, she's a cellist. Yes, thank you. She's a cellist, and so she's known a lot for um, Wonder Woman score. Yeah, for the Wonder Woman score, and she's a regular in these session recordings. Yeah. Um. So session musicians, right? As a session musician, so when so when assembling an orchestra, usually it's usually everybody who's assembled knows each other, and Tina Guo is one of those people. The other thing is, um. A lot of times, I mean, you'll do the you do the orchestra part, right? You'll record and um, and then you'll go in, or this could be before even, and then record like the specialty instruments, like uh, Nathan Barr did the organ completely separate, and then um, the harp, the harp completely separate too. <laughs> That's kind of interesting, yeah. But um, yeah, so any soloist or featured uh, instrumentalist will um, record that separately. Also, also, I think when we were talking about. Um, Kubo and the two strings, the Leica score, the Shakuhachi, the Japanese bamboo flute, that would not be recorded with the orchestra on the same session. That would be, you know, separately by themselves in a studio, and then that would later get mixed in with the rest of the orchestra. Or mixed on top of the orchestra, rather, because they're the solo instrument. So any kind of, like, um, specialty, random, weird, quirky instruments or whatever, those would be recorded separately also. So it's a lot of um, it's a lot of pieces to the puzzle. <laughs> yeah, a lot of pieces to the puzzle. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like a five hundred piece puzzle, probably more than that. One thousand, ten thousand. Yeah. And then you're assembling it after the fact, all in one computer. But then what's interesting about that is, like all these uh, concerts live to picture are becoming way more popular now. Oh um, yeah, we saw. What is it? I think it was the San Diego Symphony playing the score for uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, we, we saw that like two years ago. Yeah, we saw uh, one of the Star Trek ones they did also. Oh, yeah, that was good. Yeah, but these are becoming way more popular. And then even what's cool now is the composers who wrote the score, they're coming out and conducting the orchestra themselves, which is really awesome. So, like, Brian Tyler, he goes and tours all around London, and then he's conducting, like, the London Philharmonic, um, his score to... Uh, you know, different different clips of Thor or Fast and Furious and that kind of Crazy stuff. Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah, and yeah. then Hans Zimmer, you know, he does his whole concert series where it's... Um, he goes on tour, and yeah. Tina, Tina Gua goes on tour yeah. with him. To this be is a little bit cellist. different, though. Yeah, like Brian Tyler goes in front of an already existing orchestra, like the London Philharmonic. Um, so that that's different than recording for a studio where you put all the instrumentalists to, uh, or you assemble them specifically right he's conducting in front of an orchestra that already exists um and they rehearse and play you know orchestral music all the time together so he comes in and then conducts that existing orchestra of his music yeah to play his stuff yeah but then Hans zimmer he does it differently he puts his own band together his own orchestra and then he takes everybody and then tours them around <laughs> so that's a little bit different Brian Tyler kind of acts as like a guest conductor conducting his scores. And then um, same thing with Danny Elfman. Like it was just Halloween, right? So 
at the Hollywood Bowl they do the Nightmare Before Christmas um, live to picture. And that one's kind of cool because Danny Elfman was the singing voice of Jack Skellington. So he has the original voices also with him, Ken Page, Oogie Boogie, um, Catherine O'Hara, who was the voice of Sally. Um, so they'll, they actually sing the songs live to picture with the, the Hollywood Bowl Orchestra to, to the picture to Nightmare Before Christmas. So they do that for Halloween. They've done it for, I think, three years in a row, maybe. Um, that's cool. So that's that's really interesting. That's cool. That's cool. I, I'd love to do that. Yeah, so there's like a whole new market for performing film scores. It gives their film scores another life past the film also because, you know, there's, it's popular. People love to see the, the orchestra um, playing the music live. And it's even it's even cooler when the, the guy who wrote the music um, is conducting. Brian Tyler, Danny Elfman, John Williams, Hans Zimmer, Mark Akiyama. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, who was the last one? I haven't heard of him yet. You haven't? What? He's a, he's a really, 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 uh, uh, you should look him up. I think he's on Instagram. Anyway, um, that's just kind of a quick, you know, like a sort of the difference between a live playing orchestra who's like the LA Phil, who's an orchestra that's established and they rehearse together and they, there's the same people in the orchestra. And then a film specific recording orchestra who is the different sections and players are actually contracted for the film and then the composer puts together who they want and kind of pieces everything together. Um, so it's totally different. Um, and then it kind of, like we said, the live orchestra to film is being more popular. Um, so it's kind of interesting. I actually had a chance to do one of our pieces from the musical that we were writing. Brandy's lament was the song for the musical, the stop motion musical that we've been working on. So I had a chance to, conduct that an orchestra version um in new york with the with one of the nyu orchestras so that was a totally different experience because i had to orchestrate out the the piece which was i did a completely different orchestration than what i had planned on for the film because i knew i was doing it with an orchestra so i i orchestrated out for a full orchestra and everything of the players that i specifically knew would be in the orchestra so, and that I had access to. So I wrote it kind of, you kind of tailor the way you're writing to specifically what kind of orchestra you're going to have and what kind of event is going to be. Um, what kind of format it's going to be. Yeah, playing. it's really interesting. So like one piece can have tons of different versions. You could have like the film version, the live version. Cause like, I'm sure Brian Tyler goes through when he knows he's doing these, these live, live gigs with an orchestra. I'm sure he works with his orchestrator and everything and the publisher and they they do a version that's going to make the orchestra sound as as great as they can by themselves um because you know like normally for a film like we said you add on sample libraries still and everything so they have to reorchestrate it specifically for the live orchestra that they know they're going to be playing for so that it sounds as close to the film or if they want to tweak it to do you know sound a little bit different or anything. So that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I'll talk about my experience um, coming up in a future episode because it was, it was really fun. And I have, I'll like take you through the score and everything that I wrote. And, and that's an episode in and of itself. Yeah. You can, I'll show you the, the, the markings I made specifically for conducting and working with an orchestra. Cause that's nerve wracking in itself. And <laughs> as a whole nother animal, um, I put my arms here and then I tell them, and then, and then, then I look at this way and then I do this and then, and then, and then we pause. And then we go. Pause for effect. 
Pause for effect. Applause. <laughs> and go. Anyway, yeah, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, we'll do it. So, um, that'll be its own episode if you guys are interested. So, that's coming up. That's one of the things we have in the works. Um, I'm working on the video for that. So, uh, I'll put that on a YouTube coming up within a day or so. Um, so, you'll be able to watch that and then we'll we'll do an episode about it and talk, it, talk about it. So, yeah. Any other final thoughts, Landon? No, just that I'm really jealous and eventually I will get to see Nathan Barr's organ. Yeah, we'll, we'll go to more events like that. Um, he said he's going to keep hosting it, so yeah. Good, yeah. Anyway, as always, if you enjoyed this episode, if you enjoyed us talking, giving our opinions, you know, rambling on and everything, please, please, please go to iTunes, give us a rating, or a review would be even nicer. Um, yes, a review, really appreciate comment, it, yeah. share the episode, share our podcast. Yeah, or go to our akiyamamusic.com and reach out to us, send an email. We'd love to hear from you and everything. Um, we get emails and we always respond and we love hearing your feedback and talking to you guys. Um, yeah. and you can always reach out to us on social media. Yeah. Instagram is probably the best way to reach out to us through social. Um, I'm Landon underscore Akiyama. Mark is Mark underscore Akiyama. Yes. And we always like it when you guys comment on those. Yeah. So, um, also since our YouTube page is new, please, please, please go and subscribe and hit that notification bell. It'd be awesome. We got a bunch of new videos coming out and um, we're really excited. We're going to do a commercial coming soon. Um, so yeah, all that, all that stuff's going to be on YouTube. Um, yeah, that's about it for me. Yeah, that's it for me. Thank you everybody for listening. Yeah, thank you again. Uh, all right. Have a good night. All right. See ya. Bye. Bye.